Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang. Today, joined by a very special guest, someone who I've had the pleasure of knowing over the course of the past few years when I was working over at Raider Nation Radio. Today, he joins me, former ESPN radio host, Grammy winner, Vegas-born kid, also a very, very, very well-to-do, known, well-known Raiders analyst, and Jason Fitz is the guest. Thank you, Jason, so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. I'm glad we get to hang out. I know it is. I'm, I'm, so we're just talking off air that it's like kind of the first time we've actually got to see each other in person. And <laughs> we've always done it's like the, calls. Like, it's <laughs> the wildest thing about radio, particularly. There's a lot of times, like even when I was out at the Golden Knights uh, game, one of the Stanley Cup final, I flew into Vegas. And I was standing there and I was talking and somebody just turned around. They're like, I recognize your voice. So that, yeah. that happens more than anything, you know, which which is a, still an honor in and of itself. Definitely. So and you spent many years analyzing, discussing, talking. You live, breathe, eat Raiders. So that's what you do. And I wanted to get your take on all things because I know you're deeply invested into this team so much that you went and got tattooed with Max Crosby last year. That was exciting within itself. So I know that you are very well known as far as with the fan base and people know that you bring and deliver facts. So what we need to get into as training camp is going to get underway is one of the hot button topics right now, Josh Jacobs. I wanted to discuss that in kind of detail with you and find out what you think is going to happen with Josh Jacobs, who was franchise tagged and no new deal came to fruition. Does he hold out? Uh, I think he doesn't. He doesn't come to play until the regular season. But once we hit the regular season, it's tough to imagine anybody turning down game checks, you know, and, and realistically he won't get fined. None of that happens because he hasn't technically signed his deal. So uh, staying out doesn't cost him anything, but the way NFL contracts work, he's going to make $10 million this year. That's divided by 17 games. That's how every game check works. So at some point it does start to cost him money. And, and then it becomes about return. Uh, this is an unfortunate situation, Heidi. And I, I can't say this loud enough. As a human being and as a Raiders fan, I wish Josh Jacobs was getting just a mountain of like Scrooge McDuck money that he could just lie around in all day long. That's what I want for anybody that's great. But I also have to look at this from the Raiders standpoint and say, hey, where they're coming from makes sense. If you look at who wins Super Bowls, it's not high paid running backs. If you look at the way rosters are constructed, it's not high paid running backs. Does it feel gross? Yes. But is it the way the business is done in the NFL? Yeah, and I don't think there's an easy solution for it. So I think as as cooler heads prevail, he'll understand that his best situation is realistically to come back to play through this year and then hope like heck that they don't franchise him again because they could, in theory, franchise him again next year. Yep. They'd have to pay a premium to do it. But if you're Josh Jacobs right now, you're just trying to figure out how you can get the most secured money possible. And there's no solution with him sitting out that gets him more money right now. And then you look in history, like you mentioned, with Super Bowl winning teams, how do the running back you know, position assist those teams? A lot lately has been by committee. That's one. And then two, you look back into history. Adrian Peterson was one of the highest paid running backs over, what, I think, 15, 16 seasons. And it was uh, a, a sum that you just don't 
often see attached to a running back's name um, over 104 million, which is something that you see on average with a quarterback contract. So when we think of that, that as being like the threshold of pay, like, do you think at any point that this situation will be revisited and running backs do become a little bit more invested in by the NFL and teams? No. And like, that's a harsh answer. Yeah. But my, my buddies at ESPN taught me a long time ago that whenever it comes to collective bargaining, there's almost 2,000 people in the NFL Players Association Union. Whenever it comes to bargaining, it's about what benefits the majority of the members. So I see a lot of people on Twitter go in and say, well, the franchise tax shouldn't exist. I asked former players and current players, why does it exist? And the answer was very simple. Every owner wants it, so every owner will fight for it. It only impacts 32 players out of almost 2,000. So when you go to the negotiating table and you say, I don't want a, I don't want a franchise tag, for example, then the owners will turn around and say, great, we want an 18th game. Well, no, we don't want to play that. Okay, so there's no negotiation, right? Like, if you want to get something, you have to give up something. Are you willing to give up something substantial if you're 2,000 players to help 32? Now, let's take that to the running back position as a whole, as they say, you know what, this isn't fair for us. Okay, great. There's about 110 running backs in the NFL tops, right? Yeah. So 110 running backs to 2,000 members still doesn't make sense. There are so many players in the league that are simply only worried about what impacts them. Healthcare, practice pro processes, uh, workers' comp issues, things that we don't even talk about in sports, right? That's what they're worried about, and they don't want to give up any of that. So when they go to the table and they say this isn't fair for running backs and the owners say, great, what are you willing to give up? Well, well, nothing. This just isn't fair. Okay, that's just we all know, and especially in Vegas, a, a very union – a union-centric town, you understand negotiations about give up, right? And what are you going to give up to make it right for the running backs? I think long-term NFL players are not going to protect running backs. And if NFL players won't protect running backs, fans can run yell about it all day long. It won't change anything. And especially when you look at the Raiders right now that has a full stable of running backs. They have Zamir White that's ready to take a step up. They have Britton Brown ready to step up. They have a guy like Sincere McCormick who's coming back and trying to get into the mix in training camp. When you look at the running backs they have, do you feel like they're set whether or not Josh Jacobs gets the amount of reps and has the type of season, let's say, that he had last year? Set is a tough word to use uh, because Josh makes this team substantially better. Yeah. If you're the Raiders, you have to look at it and say, okay, what does substantially better mean? Like, I, I think this year to get into the playoffs, you're going to have to be a very good football team and you're going to have to win nine, maybe 10 games. Like when you look even at the wild card landscape, the AFC is stacked. So if, if you're the Raiders, you think, okay, best case scenario with where we are in our development, Having Josh in last year, having a career year with Josh, a great year with Devontae, and a killer year for Max got them six wins, right? So if you were the Raiders, even if you think you're on the right trajectory, you can't overpay to try and get one or two extra wins now when you also have to realistically expect that it's going to take four or five more wins to get into the playoffs. I, I think Zamir White has a chance to be a very good running back. And how you make a really important point here. Because in a year, if Zamir White's turned around and rushed for 11 or 1,200 yards, yeah. we're not even going to be talking about this anymore. Yeah. But Josh Jacobs makes this team better. He he made up for deficiencies on the offensive line. I think Jimmy G would be a better quarterback with Josh Jacobs. All of that is true at the same time. 
I just don't know that if you're the Raiders, and I think they're really in the process internally, if you injected true serum in their veins, in a two- to three-year rebuild where you're trying to bring up the entire core of your roster, you can't overpay for one person right now when you are two or three years away from being where you want to be. Right now, when you look at just offense uh, on, on the whole, is there any particular position group that you're kind of excited to see go through training camp and how those uh, players may or may not make the roster coming up for the season, the competition? Yeah, I think the, the wide receiver group looks incredible, right? Yeah. Like I, I really thought by now, uh, just being honest, I thought when they signed Kobe Myers that that was going to be the end of Hunter Renfro in some way. Yeah. The fact that Hunter's still there tells us that that see something and they're going to give themselves a very i know we all hate hearing this constant patriot comparison they're going to give themselves little wide receivers that are shifty over the middle that can do a lot the patriots did a lot with them. at the same time that they do that they're going to have Devonte doing what he does i am really excited to see how hunter renfro looks in year two of this offense when hopefully he's a much healthier version of himself because Third and Renfro, as it became known two years ago, yeah. is virtually unstoppable. When you add Jacoby to that, you know, they've also got some young guys there that I think they can step in and contribute. But particularly those two guys with Devontae, that is a, a treat. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to know people around the Notre Dame program the minute Michael Mayer was, uh, was drafted. The minute. I was live on air doing our live stream ESPN draft broadcast, and my phone started to blow up and i'm I, honestly when my phone blows up in the draft and the raiders pick it's usually my friends mocking me this was everybody <laughs> turning around saying wow you didn't get a good player you got a great player like yeah. i think michael is going to step in and immediately be dynamic so the pass catchers are going to provide a heck of an opportunity for this offense to be dynamic with jimmy g i was honestly surprised that he went as late as he did michael Mayer. i thought he was going to go first round for sure and then here he is coming down in the second round. Uh, what are the things that you like about him most when you look at him as a tight end and somebody that can ultimately, what I think, help the red zone? Yeah, go back. That's a great point by you. And go back and watch some of those Notre Dame games and understand a couple of things. They were, let's say politely, deficient at the quarterback position often. And the only guy that was really a threat was him. So what's really impressive is when you go back and watch, and there's some third downs last year where he was bracket triple covered and still found the right spot to sit down and get the ball. A smart quarterback that knows the system will be able to figure out how to get him the ball as soon as he's comfortable with the system. So I say that not to say that Derek Carr wasn't smart at all. I'm not saying that. Don't twist anything, anybody listening. I'm saying that because I do believe Jimmy G is a smart quarterback. I do believe he knows the system. And Andrew Hawkins, who works for ESPN, close friend of mine, he's the one that told me a couple of years ago that reading Josh McDaniel's offense was like reading a language he'd never read. And yeah. he played in the NFL for eight years at that point. So it's that difficult. So having a quarterback and then having guys around Jacoby's going to be a teacher, right, of this whole offense, guys that are going to be able to come in and teach this process. I think what's exciting about him is that he's got a big build. He's got a big body. He's able to sit down and find open spots and zones. And when he does that, it's if you can get the ball to him quickly, he is an automatic first down. So third and four becomes a much more variable offense right now. And to your point, red zone offense becomes wildly exciting because he is a mismatch for safeties. Yeah, that's something when you look at the overall season and even, you know, recent history with the Raiders or even going back maybe a little farther. <laughs> there's been woes in the red zone. What do you think that Josh McDaniels does this year, maybe looks that we see more of, that can really help in that area? 
So I, I think that's part of why it's not as much as Josh McDaniels is going to change anything. It's going to be better execution. And that's part of why Michael Mayer is going to hit his stride, I think, in the back half of the season, particularly because it's asking a lot for a rookie to come in and suddenly speak this language. right? But yeah. by the back half of the season, he's going to have easy mismatches in the end zone. And how much do you think, like even Jimmy said it when he did his introductory press conference, Jimmy G said that it was like Spanish and French. You know, how much do you feel like even he, not having been at mini camps or been at the OTAs, I'm sure he's come to sessions where they talk and, you know, have the meetings and whatnot, but getting the actual physical sitting down and throwing and getting the reps back, do you think that he's going to step right back into this or do you think it's going to take a little time for Jimmy to get reassimilated? I think it takes a little time also for the receivers to understand how Jimmy processes things, right? Like True. that's the other part of the conversation that I think is is really key here. You know, if you're Hunter Renfro, you got to know Derek Carr so well, you knew exactly where he was going to throw a football. You knew when the ball was going to be low and outside. You knew how he was going to do things. Uh, the receivers are going to have to learn that from Jimmy G. I think there'll be a little bit of miscommunication early. I think the Raiders will probably start slow because of all of that. I think that's okay. a fair expectation especially they've got some tough games in the beginning too. But I think once the Raiders get through that, the, the biggest thing this year to me is less about uh, this team is not on the same wavelength as the Bengals and the Chiefs. Let's not kid ourselves. The question is, is this team taking a big leap forward where they're back to an eight-win team, a nine-win team, where we say at the end of the year, yes, the pieces are here. Like That's what needs to be answered. So I think Jimmy G starts slow, but by the end of the year, if he's healthy, it, this could be great. You talked about quarterback. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to discuss something that I saw in there that really got me pumped for the Raiders season, and we'll discuss that and a little bit more of the defensive side of the ball when we come back. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. Welcome back to the Takeaways Podcast, brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today. Today's guest, Jason Fitz, former ESPN host, Grammy winner, Vegas kid, and Raiders analyst, NFL analyst, too. Let's throw it all in the hat. Uh, Jason, uh, we were just talking there about the offense. Now I want to get into a little bit of the defensive side of the ball. We've discussed quarterback, and in quarterback, one of my favorite sequences is watching Patrick Mahomes and the Max Crosby battle in one of the, I don't even remember what episode, because I kind of watched them all in like one long string <laughs> as far as I could. <laughs> that was my Saturday homework. And uh, just just watching that and watching that battle, watching those little wins that Max had over Pat during the game, it got him, it got him a little frazzled. Is that what you think it's like for every quarterback that, faces Max Crosby, or is this even a little bit more special because it's the Chiefs? <laughs> no, I, I, I will tell you, I, I'm lucky enough to know some guys that play in the league and I've talked to them and the version of Max we see there, that's Max. And that doesn't surprise me. You mentioned earlier, Max and I got tattoos last year. We've stayed in touch. And I, I just think part of what works about Max Crosby is that he is who he is. He's authentically going to work like a maniac. He's authentically going to bring physicality. Like anyone that follows him on social media sees his love for the UFC. Part yeah. of the reason he loves UFC is he just loves physical contact. He loves hitting people and being hit. And that just agitates a lot of quarterbacks over the course of a game. Now, I don't know that I'd really want to poke the belly of the beast when it comes to Mahomes, but also Max Crosby's never walked into any street fight that he was going to be scared of, right? So I think he's a tone setter. And that's 
going to be important because no matter what the Raiders do, remember, Max is young. I think he's the building block. That He is the face of this franchise for the next five years. It's not the quarterback. It's going to be Max Crosby. He's going to create that tone. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because Tyree Wilson is somebody that I love uh, coming out. The, the draft pick, absolutely great. And it was funny because we had him on the radio show I was on on ESPN at the time right before the draft. And we asked him about all the analysts that were putting him as the second best defensive player in the draft. And he laughed and he's, he said flat out, call me back in a year when I'm the best. Like there is a swagger to some guys that play defensive line that I just think is absolutely necessary. I want that to spill over. Like in, in a perfect world, I want Chandler Jones to turn around and teach professionalism. And I want Max Crosby to teach not only film study that he's, he's great at, but also energy and just absolute bring it every single play. That is what makes Max signature. And if the defense as a whole ever captures that intensity, unstoppable. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the question. How does the defense as a whole capture that? Especially when you're looking at defensive tackles that we're not exactly sure right now because it's beginning to be training camp as uh, next week. I believe it's the 26th or 25th is the first day. Um, but when, when you think about just the competition that will exist in that spot, how it works in Patrick Graham's system, uh, we thought last year, you know, he was going bigger, heavier defensive tackles. But and you see that there are some guys now that are sub 300 that are a little bit um, in that 6'3 to 6'5 range. What do you think Patrick Graham is ultimately looking for at that defensive tackle spot? Is it more looking for a nose tackle or, or something in the sub defensive packages that can really help the team get pressure? What's the ultimate goal, do you think? So I think he's going to, he wants a defensive line. That's like a boy band. All right. So if you've ever looked at any boy band, like you can look at it and say, there's my bad boy. There's my nerdy guy. There's my, like, he just dances. He's the lead singer. Like, so, so Max is the lead singer of the boy band, right? Okay. We know that Max is the lead singer of the boy band. I okay. think they hope that Tyree becomes the other uh, lead singer of the boy band. So you get your two main lead singers. So what do you want from the others? The others, you need some versatility. I think if you look at, at Tillery and the way he played at the back half of the season, there were some nice moments. The penalties in some key games are what we remember. But he started to play at a high level. I don't think they want a big guy or a little guy. I think they want both. Because realistically, if you can just grind people down, if you can grind the interior of an offensive line down, which is going to be having to do a lot of work to help on the edges, then late in the game, you can bring in some of your smaller guys and now ask tired guys to be quick in the middle. I don't I don't think that's really an easy thing to do. So everything Graham's always talked about is being, you know, variable, being versatile, being able to run a bunch of different packages. I think that's including the defensive line position. We're so used to saying, okay, does he want two big guys in the middle or what? I think he wants a bit of both. You want a big guy in the middle that can take some of that uh, work away so your linebackers are good and you can wear people down. And then you also need a couple of guys that on pass rushing downs can just absolutely handle, right? Like you're going to have handling defensive linemen. So uh, to me, I think it's a little bit of both. And that's part of why you've got a log jam. It feels like they're bringing 722 tackles into camp. But I think that's a good thing. You need You need rotation, you need bodies, and you need some of these guys to prove that they can rise. Absolutely. And that's where I'm looking at the cornerback and secondary room. Also, some of the new draft picks like Jacorian Bennett, when you think about people like that, we saw sparks from last year, Tyler Hall, um, even what happens with Sam Webb or Amik Robertson, different people that had uh, an, uh, uh, some of the reps in the secondary last year. And I'm wondering how that mix looks this year. How much are all of these players going to be vying for that starting 
starting job. Um, lots of interesting names as well with Duke Shelley coming in. So what have been your thoughts so far on how they've composed the secondary over the course of the offseason? I think they are banking on the pass rush being disruptive. And that's just being honest because disruptive pass rush saves your secondary. Jacorian has a chance to, by the by midseason. I hope I'm right about this. I really think it, because it'll come back to haunt me if I'm not. By <laughs> midseason, I think Jacorian is a starter. And by the end yeah. of the year, I think he's a building block. I, like not just because he flashed in, in camp, but, you know, a couple of people I talked to around Maryland said, look, it didn't show, he didn't have the opportunity in that defense to show everything he's capable of. I, I loved that pick. I love that player. I think he's going to have a real chance. And is somebody, too, that, like, I feel like his career has been on life support with the Raiders for right. a couple of years now, and all he's done is managed to stick around and grow and get better. And I would remind everybody that there was a period early in Namdi Asamoah's career that people were saying he wasn't going to pan out. It took a couple of years for him to really become the Namdi that we all fell in love with. So – when you combine those things with Nate Hobbs, who I do believe is a star, I, I believe he has the capability of being a star. It's just going to take young guys some time. So what's interesting is that Duke Shelley is a, an example. Uh, Epps is an example of guys that are going to be asked to be veteran leaders yeah. to sort of teach, to sort of educate on the field. And in the meantime, I think this is going to be in the beginning, a very boomer bust defense. If the quarterback can't get there quick, they're going to give up some huge plays. And I would just, I would preach to everybody that it's going to be a patient learning process. It's a it's a difficult defense. I, I, by week five, week six, I think it looks much different than it does in week one. But I think I do believe Bennett can be a building block. So that I, I have a lot of hope that they they got one. And again, if we're in a two or three year building period, every offseason you've got to get one or two real pieces you can build around. I think he's going to be one of them. Okay, and then lastly, I just wanted to talk about the evolution of Divine Diablo because he's somebody that we didn't get to see uh, grow as much as much as I think people wanted to see last year. But now he's wearing that green dot, right? So he's got to be involved. He's got to be really locked in, zoned in to what's happening, be able to be that play caller for the defense. And we've seen that he's put on some muscles. And Patrick Graham was talking about him, you know, how swole he is and all of that. So what are your thoughts on the growth and what you're looking forward to seeing out of Diablo? Divine Diablo and the linebacker group. The day Divine was drafted, I was working on ESPN on the draft show. And one of our draft experts that studied the whole thing through and through looked at me and he said, I'm bummed he went to the Raiders. And I said, why? And he said, because I don't believe the Raiders will give him the one thing he needs. And that's time. If they'll just leave him alone for three years, he can become a really solid player. Okay. I think about that right now because whether it's because of injury or because of whatever, we got there. We got to three years, right? So now we're at that spot where I think there's a good chance for a leap. I'm interested, though. Every time a guy puts on a ton of size, I feel like we get into the season and suddenly we discover they're slower than we anticipate. Yeah. What we have to remember, though, is in modern NFL defenses, linebackers are only going to be on the field 25% of the time, right? 30% of the time. So what we need as a Raiders defense, what the team needs, I say we like I'm hopping on the pads, but what the team <laughs> needs at some point is for Diablo to be able to be the force that he can be, stopping the run, be able to come in on first and second down and really uh, be a key contributor in covering big tight ends in the AFC West. We all know they exist. And then you need enough guys to develop in the secondary that your safeties are stepping up and taking those reps on third down. Like I, I think – we, if we don't heat too much on him, he can turn into a solid player. But the fact that they've given him the green dot, even though we missed so much time last year, speaks to how much they believe he understands the defense. And it's a reminder to every fan, we see product on the field. These guys are tested in their film study. 
every week. The coaches quiz them all the time. Like they're actually asked in the New England system, they're actually quizzed weekly on what does this mean and how does it mean to get that green dot means that he's doing better to those coaches than anybody on the outside is seeing. I I think that has to mean something. I still think that that linebacker and corner has a chance to be a real weakness for this team. But I also think if you look at a couple of these individual players and say, yeah, but if he finds the top end, it, it could be much better than we expect. Absolutely. Now, you did say we. And I think you would put pads on if you could. <laughs> I think you oh, yeah. would. I think you would full on go out there and be like, I'm ready, coach. Put me in. But I wanted to ask this as a fan. What is the main storyline that you're going to be looking forward to as training camp begins? No, uh, I mean, I think it's cliche, but it's it's what's it look like with Jimmy G. Right. Yeah. Uh, because here's the thing. Uh, going back to my childhood, um, childhood, my young adulthood, uh, Rich Cannon wasn't praised when the Raiders signed him. Nobody thought Rich Cannon was going to be the secret to John Gruden's success. Nobody. Yeah. Like he, he was a backup in Kansas City. He came over here. People were meh on him getting the deal. People were meh on whether or not it would work out. And I understand Jimmy G has had health issues. I, I don't, uh, nobody's taking anything away from that. When he has played, he's been good. And most importantly, he was one quarter away from beating Mahomes in a Super Bowl. Like, I know that they blew a huge lead, and I know that not converting was part of that. But also their defense melted down. The epic San Francisco defense melted down, right? Like, Jimmy G was one quarter. How different would we talk about him today if he gotten that win? It's, uh, I know the ifs don't really uh, work to anything here, but if you're Jimmy G, it's just your last chance. Realistically, like nobody's going to give you a starting chance. Now, you're not going to get yet another team that says maybe he can make it here. Yeah. I understand he can't help his health, but if he can stay healthy, man, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what he does because the Raiders season goes one or two ways. It goes surprise and we're, we're, we're looking at seven, eight wins and Jimmy G stayed healthy or we're looking at as much as I love the human being. Brian Hoyer is playing a substantial amount of time. And if he's playing a substantial amount of time, I think the Raiders are closer to a top five pick than they are to the, the to the playoffs, right? So mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're asking yourself, do you want to get in the Drake May sweepstakes? Because I think Arizona is going to be okay. the leader of the Caleb Williams suite. Like, I don't think <laughs> right. anybody's going to be worse than Arizona. So <laughs> Caleb's going to be with the Cardinals next year. So I, I think for the Raiders, what's interesting this year is that this year will give a long-term answer on what the strategy is at quarterback. I don't think there's anything that happens that costs Josh McDaniels his job. I don't think there's any chance he's not the head coach at the end of this season. So the question is, is he the head coach next year with Jimmy G or has the world been sold on the book of goods of here we go. We're going to do it with a young quarterback that we can all bank on. It's this is the most fascinating season we've seen in a decade because of that. All right. Well, there you have it from Jason Fitz. Jason, tell everybody out there watching and listening where they can find you and what you've got coming out soon. Uh, yeah, well, you can find me uh, on all social media at Jason Fitz, Twitter, Instagram, all the places. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a transitional period for me from ESPN. So I've got some things in the works, but unfortunately, I can't announce anything. But if you all know me for more than two seconds, you know, I don't sit still. So there'll be announcements coming soon that I'm really excited for. But mostly, like genuinely, Heidi, I am so thankful to every Raiders fan that has taken the time to tweet me or Instagram me about the fact that I'm not with ESPN anymore. I I don't care about four letters. I care about the impact that I, I hope I'm making in some fans' life somewhere listening to sports. And that was really, I don't know, that was really affirmed to me by the way people reacted uh, when the news came out. So 
you know, my love uh, for Raider Nation, uh, to see it reciprocated back to me is one of the most humbling things I've ever lived through. So I can't wait to tell everybody where I am because God knows I'm not done repping the Raiders nationally, for sure. I love that so much. And we've always appreciated being able to speak with you. I personally learn a lot every time that I do. So I thank you so much for coming on. Wish you all the best, of course. And uh, for Jason Fitz, I'm Heidi Fang. You can find me on Twitter at Heidi Fang. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there.